I think when you combine those two perspectives of life is short, live fast, uh, because it can be over, you know, in a blink of an eye and, and we don't want to waste our time. But to understand too that life is long and, and we can swim deep many times and we can get really good and find many different sweet spots depending upon where our life's journey takes us. I just think that the balance of those two things is a really provocative way to, to think about how to live and lead your own life. You're listening to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast, a show where we invite leaders to have courageous conversations about the journey of leadership, work, and culture. Let's go. Welcome back to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Carr. Thank you so much again for joining us as we have another courageous conversation about work, leadership, life, and today, finding your sweet spot. Now, I just say that, and some of you have no idea what that means, and others of you know exactly what what the sweet spot means. So think of it like this. If I were to say, hey, based off of who you are and what you do, would you say you found your sweet spot in life? Now, that question may conjure up all sorts of thoughts and feelings. Am I talking about your work? Am I talking about your personal life? Am I talking about with my kids or with my spouse or with friends? Yes, to all of that. And that's the conversation um, that we're going to have today. Actually, I hopefully am probably not going to need to have much of that conversation because we have a a pretty stellar um, and star-studded lineup for this from some of of my LCI colleagues. And so with that, I think let's do some introductions here. Um, And Kim, I'll start with you and just introduce yourself, what you do uh, here at at LCI, and then we'll jump into this conversation and this idea of, of sweet spot. All right. Awesome. Thanks. My name is Kim Leeshock, and I'm one of the leadership development directors for our aftermarket team and uh, corporate. And I've been with Lippert for about a year. Hey, good afternoon, Dustin. So good to be with you again. Amber Selking here, um, serve as the vice president of leadership and culture development here at LCI. So just the amazing teams that we have that are, are really working and striving on a daily basis to keep our core values and our organizational identity at the forefront of who we are and how we operate as an organization. Because, you know, our vision here is to make business a force for good in the world and to challenge people to use business to drive good first and foremost in the individual lives of the people that are part of our family and then um, within the communities where we live, work, and play. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Trace. Uh, my name is Trace Rory, and I'm one of our uh, leadership development directors uh, focused in our interiors division. And I try to do all the stuff that Amber just said there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. And last but certainly not, not least, Mr. Coughlin. Hey, Dustin, good to be with you again and uh, with the rest of the team. I work in our window division with Lipper Components as a leadership director. And um, it's always a joy to talk about how can we grow, how can we improve, and how can we get better you know, in what we do every day. So thanks for having me with you. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to the conversation. And again, when we when we set out to the leadership development team topics, this is one that, that came back and, and um, really resonated with me. And I think even getting back to what Amber said, we try to do, right? We're trying to help people show up and be fully engaged at work, but also fully engaged at home in their personal lives, right? Capturing head, heart, and hands and, and sweet spot, finding who you are and what you were meant to do is a huge, is a huge piece of that. So I just want to jump into that, Kim, and I'm going to let you sort of kick off the conversation and you guys will be able to just take it. We'll take it as it goes. When you think of that idea of, of a sweet spot for an individual, what's some, some things that come to mind? 
Oftentimes when people are looking for a sweet spot, they're looking for the places where their head, heart, and hands are all singing in unison, I think. Um, and so Amber talks about this a lot, um, about how can we fill up our people, team members, and leaders by, by using their hand, head, heart, and hands to really fuel their engagement at work, but also in personal life as well. And so um, when I have leaders who come to me who are like, hey, Kim, I have really feel like my world is changing, like something shifted at home or something shifting here right now. And I don't really know what to do with this, but I feel like I'm no longer in, in the place of flow, the place of where I, I want to be. Um, what do I do? And so oftentimes that, that sweet spot conversation comes, comes to play. And I actually give them a little bit of homework. Um, I'll, I have them do some reflection in, in three areas. And one of them is Every single day at the end of your day, um, let's, let's reflect on what you love. You know, what was the most energizing part of your day today, both work personally and uh, work professionally. So um, when we do that, um, that'll bring to life some of those things that you truly get energized by. And then this, the second piece there um, is starting to t take a, an external list on what your gifts and talents are. Um, and listing those things out, um, whether it be just going to all the people that you work with regularly or you've worked with in the past and helping create a list there. And then lastly, um, what the world needs, meaning like what is my immediate world need out of me right now based off of, um, you know, the, the environment that, that um, has come to play. And so I kind of give them that little bit of homework just to start doing some inner work on, you know, what does a sweet spot really look like? And then we do some reflection on when did when have I been in the state of flow? So that sweet spot, I mean, it's it's like trying to find the perfect spot on the court when you're trying to hit your your best shot on um, when it comes to basketball, right? Like everyone has their specific corner that they like to take their shot from. It's similar similar concept. So that's kind of the same thing we do, but here in in the professional space as well. Yeah, that's good, Bill. I'm going to ask you to jump in, but just. Before I do, because I think it's important for our listeners, because I think they're going to hear this as you guys talk, because I'm, you know, we're doing a Zoom call here and I'm looking at, at you guys and I'm looking at four people who, if I were to go everything you just said, Kim, about finding your sweet spot, I'm looking at four people that I think have found it in a, in a lot of regards, right? And what, what you guys do every day and the way, and the way you show up. So what I want people to hear is I think you're going to hear in their voice conviction and passion. Because I think that's sort of as a tangible thing that happens when you're in your sweet spot. So just I just want to plant that seed as we go. So Bill, what are your thoughts on that sweet spot? You know, I think, um, Dustin, I think sometimes people try and look for their sweet spot and they look externally. And, and truly to me, it's internal is where we really find our sweet spot, right? What am I being drawn to? What gets me excited? Um, sometimes when we go to work, and we're in our sweet spot, I mean, days fly by, right? You don't even, it's, it's not like being at work, right? You get that mindset of, I get to go to work versus I have to go to work. That's, mm -hmm. to me, that's when you know you're in your sweet spot. I also think that um, sometimes we can fool ourselves, right? We can think we're in a sweet spot and it's good, but getting feedback from other people to say, where am I at and where do you see me? Can give us some, right, a different perspective. So, but truly, I think many of us know once we get in that, it's where we love it. It is the passion like you speak to. 
Mm -hmm. I just want to jump in there too, because I think that, you know, what you said, people wait for their sweet spot, like to find them basically. And and they might sit around and wait for it to happen or be frustrated if they're not in it. And the reality of it is when, when that's an inside out process, like you mentioned, when you start to understand really how you're wired and what your skill sets are, and you start applying that who you are to whatever it is, that you're doing, like anything, right? Then all of a sudden, I believe that that allows you to then find the next step, right? It's not about waiting to find this. It's about going through as much iterations and process and experience as you can to really figure out what does this mean and look like for my world. And, and I think that the faster that you can almost iterate through that, the, the quicker you can find where your internal energy starts to get excited matched with the actual role that, that would would really optimize your sweet spot, you know? Yeah, that, you know, when we talk helping people create a personal mission statement, we go, just start. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just start somewhere, right? And that's Amber, that's exactly where, like, man, just take the first step. Because once you take the, usually the first step is the hardest. And once you start, then it'll be easier. And you'll take more steps and it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be faster. For sure. Trace, give me some thoughts. What are you thinking? I think all these people are really smart and intelligent. Um, so says I, the leadership lyricist himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, nobody knows what that means. So let's not qualify. It so nobody has any explanation. Um, so wholeheartedly agree with everything that everybody said so far. Um, I found that, like Amber just said and Bill articulated, it's an inside-out process. You have to know yourself really well. Um, so, but how do you break that down? What does that mean, know yourself? And when it comes to finding your sweet spot, I think that you have to have a strong understanding of a few things. And if you can imagine just kind of like this four-circled like Venn diagram with kind of the, the center space being like your ideal sweet spot, um, one of those circles is obviously your giftings. We've talked about that. You guys said that. Your abilities. What are your abilities? Um, and I love what Bill said to that, which is you might think you have certain abilities, but you probably shouldn't be the only voice in that conversation, right? Because you might think of yourself differently than others might think of you in terms of what your capabilities are. So that needs to be um, obviously like an internal assessment, but an informed internal assessment based on some of the the feedback you get from others, I think. So, so, so Trace, is yeah. that sort of like my sense of humor? I think that's my sweet spot. And you, <laughs> yeah, you, you so can much. think that all you want. <laughs> <laughs> well um, timed so you've got gifts abilities there um also i think another one of those circles is your passion like what are your passion areas are you really passionate about interacting with people like the do, do people bring out the passion well you probably shouldn't just be in a job where you don't ever get to interact with people and you just sit in front of a computer all day like that's probably not going to be your sweet spot so specifically what are your passions and then a, a couple others that I think are really important to consider because we oftentimes just think, what are my giftings? Here's a job I'm going for. And I think I've got the abilities and capabilities to do that job. And it seems like it's in an area that I'm passionate about. But, but two other areas I think that are really important to consider are what, what's your life experience? Like what are your actual life experiences that set you up to be able to function well in that role? Because um, we all have different life experiences that um, inform our ability and our passions uh, and some of our life experiences set us up to be able to function well in a certain role and other ones don't, right? Like one of the unique things about our roles is that we all come from very different walks of, of life 
but all of our unique experiences actually set us up to be able to serve in this leadership development role really, really well. Because uh, regardless of the iteration, some of them were pastors, right? Some of them came from psychology. Some people came from business. Some of them came just different walks of life, um, nonprofit stuff. All of them have been oriented around people and helping people grow. But because we're also uniquely gifted in our experiences, um, we can approach that, that um, coaching and growth just differently um, in all the different ways that our people need it, right? And to Kim's point, like, what is the need? right? What is the need into your life experiences help support the need? And then the final piece I like to think about is personality. So what's your personality? So, and I think people most often feel this when it plays out in terms of team chemistry. So you might be really gifted. You might have the gifts and abilities. You might have the passion and the life experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right team for you to be on, right? Because based on your personality and the personality makeup of others, there just might be a lack of chemistry there. I mean, we've all seen that in sports teams where functionally, like everybody's got the skills, everybody's got the ability, they have the passion for the game and they've got the experiences, but for some reason that team just doesn't gel and they don't come together like they could. And and nobody really wants to be a part of an environment like that. And it's really because the person in that personality makeup doesn't create a great chemistry. So I think personality, gifts and abilities, life experiences and passion, and then that like center point like if you can find the right thing or you that um, allows you to have the right combination of those things, I think you're on your way to being able to, to exist in your sweet spot. Makes so, me think of like finding Nemo when they get caught up in the big stream. You know, it's like you're flying around like crazy and then all of a sudden you hit the stream and it's like, you know, you just shoot. And like, you know, when you do find that sweet spot, it's like things just start happening, you know, and there's a, there's a great energy about it and a vibe that helps you move further faster, which is yeah. such a cool feeling to be in. And that's when I feel like you experience teams where like one plus one equals three, right? There's an yeah. exponential effect on it where teams wind up moving faster and accomplish more and individuals are even more capable than what they would have been when you have a team that consists of people that are in their sweet spot, which is why I feel like it's so important for leaders to spend as much time as they can trying to get to know their people and understand them in a way where their part of their job is to help put their people in their sweet spot because of what can happen to a team when everybody in some way, shape or form is as close to their sweet spot as possible because that one plus one equals three has like this exponential effect on the effectiveness of a team. I guess what I was hearing when you were saying that trace was some of the people that I also hear is like, but all of these other people have found their sweet spot and I've been looking forever and I still feel like I'm a square peg into a round hole. Like how do I, what do I do with that? Um, One of the things that I like to mention, especially with early young leaders who are new into a leadership position may not have spent a whole lot of time leading people. They've just worked on leading themselves really well or maybe leading their business really well, um, but not necessarily the team. And I I recommend that they start um, building what I would call identity capital. So like every little moment where they find something about themselves and they're like, oh, that sparked energy or, oh, that totally depleted me. um, Those are moments of identity capital. And so what's really good at the end of the day, especially when you're in a new role or you're seeking a new role is to like start tallying, oh, that really energized me and that took everything out of me. Or, um, and I'd like to replicate, let's replicate what really energizes us and let's delegate maybe what doesn't, of course, appropriately within what is appropriate in the business world, right? Um, But being able to gather what's considered identity capital can be really powerful. And then I use this quote, I don't know if you guys have ever heard it by Rilke, 
Um, be t- patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Um, live into the questions. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along in some distant day the answer. And I just love that because I think what ends up happening, especially when we were like, okay, I got the job or I now think that this is my space and I, you step into it, you might find a little moment of flow. And before you know it, you're like, well, wait, something's still missing. Or um, I, I have, have not experienced flow before. And it's like, when is my time? Right? So live into the questions, start gathering identity capital, and that really can help fuel um, finding a little bit of that sweet spot. As, as you were talking, Kim, and even Trace, as you were talking, this I, the idea came to mind because we talk about sweet spot and everyone thinks, oh, it's that one thing I meant to do with my life. And it's this big, grandiose thing. And the question I wrote down as you guys were talking was, can your sweet spot change over time? Like, and how do you wrestle with that, right, Bill? Because I may think I found it. And in reality, I just, that means I probably never grow. Yeah. I like that he, he called on you, Bill, obviously because you're the one with the most life experience. The, the <laughs> oldest. <laughs> I love you, Trace. Humor you reversed. Know, <laughs> you know, I do agree with, I do agree with what you're saying though, Dustin, at different stages of our life, right? We do find different sweet spots. And I heard it a couple times from a few of you too, that mentioned what gives you energy. And I love the model that Matthew Kelly uses of the four levels of energy. And level four energy, which is the highest form of, of energy that he speaks to, he says, it gives you confidence. It's joyful. It's invigorating. It's enthusiastic, right? People, when they're in their sweet spot, they exude those, right? And, and even you can go into organizations. And when you see an organization that's in its sweet spot, right? You can mm-hmm. that energy when you walk through the door. Conversely, when people aren't an individual or an organization, if they don't have the level four energy and they're down at one or two, they can suck the life out of you, right? And I think we've all seen that in our careers. Some people suck the life out of us. Some people give us energy. And to me, that really drives to being in your sweet spot. And I think that changes over time. Yeah, I, um, when I did my master's degree, you know, you had a, a group of individuals that were straight out of undergrad um, that started their master's program. And then there was a group of us that had worked for several years and went back to grad school. And then we had this woman who was in her mid to late 50s in our, in our program. And, you know, over the course of two years, it's like every three months we would learn something amazing about this woman. Like she, she spent part of her life being um, a, a world-class equestrian rider and was a world champion for for decades. And then she became a news anchor in Dallas, Texas, which is one of the biggest, you know, TV markets ever. And then she was a portraiteer and she's painted a president before. And, you know, then she was, she's working on becoming a ballroom dancer right now. And I was like, wow. And now you're getting your master's degree. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid twenties where I'm just like running gun and everything. Like anything has changed now that I'm in my thirties, but, um, you know, and I'm just thinking I'm, that's impressive. And she goes, you know, Amber, I learned, and, and mind you, I was operating under the thing that's life short, live fast. Like that was one of my models. You know, and and I was having this conversation with her one day and she goes, you know, Amber, I've realized that that life is long and you can swim deep many times. And I, I was like, wow, what a profound thought. And I think when you combine those two perspectives of life is short, live fast, uh, because it can be over, you know, in a blink of an eye and, and we don't want to waste our time, but 
to understand too that life is long and, and we can swim deep many times and we can get really good and find many different sweet spots depending upon where our life's journey takes us. I just think that the balance of those two things is a really provocative way to, to think about how to le- live and lead your own life. Well, think about that. Think of all those experiences she had and how many gifts, different gifts she had that she got to share with so many different people, right? Absolutely. So, facets of her life. Very cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And then I'm thinking about all those areas where you feel like you're in a sweet spot in maybe one area of your life, but you might not be in the other, right? Very rarely does every area of your life line up in perfect, perfect harmony, right? I feel like I think back to the episode we did on the five storms of life. Like there's always something going on where you're never you're never fully in it, right? And if someone's always fully in every sweet spot, you start going, you're on something because that just, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen naturally for leaders. Talk, I want to talk about leaders for a second. Why is it so important for a leader? Maybe not to go, I'm always in my sweet spot, but to at least have the understanding when they are and when they aren't, because I think there's consequences, good and bad when they are and when they aren't. Just someone jump in. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, I would tell you this in a leadership position. I think the most important thing to, to have is, and I speak about this often, is to have those relationships that others will speak truth into you. So, so I might think I'm in my sweet spot in a certain area. And if I truly built some strong relationships with other leaders and other people that are trusted advisors to me, they might gut check me, right? And I'm hopeful that they might right pull me back. Sometimes all of us need to take a step back before we can take right steps forward again. So, so as a leader, be open to feedback, right? And be open to constantly developing that lifetime learner that we talk about. So that's how I think you maybe get back or find that sweet spot again, right? And I think it's just too you know, important to be aware, not that you're always in it, because the reality of it is life is hard. Business is hard. Leadership is hard. And, and I think that people think if, it, if it's easy all the time or if it's like pretty all the time, I mean, this is not real. And, and I think that we got to liberate ourselves from that reality. Like you can win ugly. And, and, and I, I think that that's really the essence of, of high performance and whether you're in leadership or a relationship or sport or business, like you got to learn how to win ugly when everything isn't perfect. Right. Um, but when we really know what our sweet spot is, it, it just raises our level of awareness of when, when we're out of our sweet spot or when we're in a really, really tough time, how to get through that better than we might otherwise right? And so that awareness level just helps us be more sensitive to know of when we're really in it, when we might step out of it. And so when we step out of it, to not beat yourself up or to think that something's wrong with you, but rather, hey, here's all the variables that's contributing to this right now. Here's what I've learned over time through my identity capital that can help me get back into it. Or I just have to deal with being out of it right now to grind through this moment. Um, and, and man, I've got an awesome team around me to help me navigate that. And that's the importance of teams too, because you're not always going to be in it. And, and uh, it, either because you might not be personally or the, the situations that you find yourself are. Um, and, and that can help you navigate that time. And, and that awareness allows you to step back into it quicker or at least optimize when it's hard. It makes me think too, Amber, so say we don't have control over the sweet spot right now and we're just in this and it's ugly and it's uncomfortable and we don't feel good about the situation that we're in. What we can do is claim normalcy to some extent, right? Like 
claim normalcy in areas in the things that we can control, right? So talk about attentional control, like what's in my control in this moment that I can actually own, right? My thoughts, my behaviors, how I show up, my effort, um, the planning, the, 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 the amount of times that I touch, I have touches with my team one-on-one together as a team, what kind of conversations are we having? Those kinds of things. I feel like this sweet spot concept, and I'm so glad that our just society and culture in general has drifted towards this because I think we understand so much more about human psychology and motivation and, and performance, knowing that when people are in their sweet spots, they typically are higher performing um, or performing at their best more often than not. But I think it's probably interesting. And this is probably one of the key differences that that different generations, some of the tension that they have with each other which when we connect a uh, sweet spot with motivation, because there's a whole generation of people, right? They're like sweet spot. What the heck are you talking about? You just go to work and you get the work done and you do your job, right? Like don't talk to me about sweet spot, just do what you got to do. Um, and so this, this concept I think is probably one of the key tension points between generations and probably one of the ways in which different generations have trouble communicating to one another or misunderstand one another as well, because there's a certain generation or certain type of person too. It's not strictly just generational, but um, they rely on finding that sweet spot for their motivation. And until they find it, uh, they're going to struggle to be self-motivated. And I think it speaks to what you guys are talking about. It's just knowing and understanding you're not always going to be in it. And if you depend on it for your motivation, then you're probably going to be hard pressed to be effective in your life more often than not. <laughs> That's not to say you shouldn't pursue it or try to find it, but just understand um, the right place for it in the right time and to not always connect it to motivation, especially if you work in a, in a multi-generational workplace that not everybody's going to think like that. Right. And so to understand the right timing and the right place for it to, to be, um, to be effective on the teams you're on too. That's just what came to my mind. So. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, we're in an environment with five generations at times in the workplace. So I think that's really good. Bill? But Dustin, let me ask you this. What happens if you, um, you have a place that's your sweet spot, you know it, you feel great, but there's not a want or a need out there for your service at that time? What happens to that person that gets stuck in that and they can't sell it? I'll answer. Oh, but, Dustin, we've yeah, never no, seen you quiet. No, I remember I said I'm facilitating, so I was being polite. Um, <laughs> let's go with me being polite. You know, I think to me, Bill, there's there's one other question that I think, again, this is from my personal perspective, needs to, needs to be answered. Um, and it's what breaks your heart. Like, what in the world do you see that just breaks your heart? Because I think we're, regardless of what you do or don't do, regardless of what people buy or don't buy, we're created for relationships to have influence and have impact with people and with the world in which we live. And so sometimes, yeah, it's great when we can get paid for it. Like that's really, really good. But I'm also a believer that if it, if it breaks my heart and I want to have an impact, then monetary reasons are going to, shouldn't, won't be the primary. Do I need to provide? You bet. Um, But how many people leave a job going, I'll go take less if the environment's better, if they care about, I mean, we see that, right? We've seen people stay with us and going, no, I want to be here. Not because of the pay, the pay's great. It's respectful. It's all that. It's because of the way they treat me. It's the way we, it's the way we feel. So yeah, you're right. You're in a season where you're going, I don't, and here's where it's even harder. Some people don't even know how to monetize it. Like, it's not that people wouldn't buy it. They just have to figure out how, how would I, man, if I could monetize that, I would. I'd leave my job today. You have people think that, right? But that idea of what breaks your heart, like 
you know, for, especially for a person of faith, that's a, that's a big piece, right? What, what is laid on your heart that you have a skill set to go uniquely solve, right? Because I think we were all here to make an impact. And so find out what that is. And it may not be a specific thing, but it may be in a category, it may be in a, in a group of people, it may be in an industry, um, whatever, whatever that is. Trace, I want to go back to something you said. I think this will segue really nice um, into sort of, um, Amber, I want you to talk about those zones, zones of optional, um, optional functioning traits. You talked about, you know, when they're really, when they hit their stride, it's when they have the most impact. It's when they're in the most, sort of the most efficient. It's when teams are the most successful, that idea of one plus one plus one plus one equals three. I hear that. And Amber, I think about, you know, the note you sent in the conversation that I've heard you talk before about zones of optimal functioning. Could you maybe talk about that, share that idea, and then let you guys sort of have a conversation about that? Yeah. So, you know, part of my background was in sports psychology and one of like a, a critical theory in sports psych that has had a huge, huge impact in the individuals that I've worked with um, is this thing called Hannon's individual zones of optimal functioning. And so, you know, if, if you imagine an X, Y axis where the Y axis is performance and the X axis is intensity level. So like, like think about energy, like um, intensity, right? So the, the formal word is arousal. Obviously we find other words in that because that can be, you know, taken out of the context, but and unless you're a psychologist, which is what it is. But so think that intensity, right? And, and what we know is that as your intensity starts to go up, so does your performance to a point, right? But if you get too jacked up, too amped up, too excited, your performance actually starts to go down, right? I mean, I just imagine this when we wake up in the morning. It's, you know, as much as I, as much as I would like to think that I just pop out of bed, high energy and ready to go, my husband will tell you otherwise. I'm at my best when I get up two hours before him, so I have that time to get myself there, right? Um, yep. But, but the same is true with performance. And so what this theory says that is for, an in, for a given person, uh, so, so me versus you, Dustin, versus Kim, versus Trace, versus Bill, for a given person on a given day, okay, so um, a day where, like today in, in northern Indiana where we have sunshine might be different than a day in middle of, you know, December, or January when it's dark and cold out. So for a given person on a given day with a given set of circumstances, okay, so circumstances, um, you, you know, might be that business is flourishing right now, we're making money all over end, or, or the reality of our world, our whole world right now, as we're recording this is we're in the middle of a, a global pandemic, right? So, so for a given person on a given day with a given and then with a given task, right? So for example, where you're um, giving it to people or you're facilitating a training with a group of 10, or you're doing a podcast with the five of us all in different places. Those are different tasks, right? So for a given person on a given day with a given set of circumstances, with a given task, there is a given level of intensity that will help produce optimal performance, right? Hmm. And so you know, what that says is, so we've talked sort of on a macro level, what this means to find your sweet spot. But if we think about it on a micro level, on a day by day or a moment by moment or a task by task basis, how do we get ourselves in an optimal zone so, to make sure that our bodies and our minds are in the right state to deliver the absolute best that we have in this moment? I know for a fact that every single person on this call today has had four or five or six other calls prior to our time together right now. And I know that all of those conversations hasn't been easy. I know that tears have been shed today by some people on this call. And, and yet, what do we do? When we step up to the plate, step up to the microphone, we take a deep breath, 
right? We set that down and we get into our optimal zone to be together. Because why? Because we believe that what we're doing matters and that we're trying to serve others through this conversation. And so, you know, in an individual and a leader's ability to, to be able to get in their optimal zone, their sweet spot from an intensity level for the moment that they have in front of them is so important because we still have to show up and, and particularly when it gets hard. And that's when our people need us the most. And, and so that's why I love that theory because I think it gives us a way to think through and then, you know, to talk, we, we work with our leaders on tools and strategies then that if they find themselves too jacked up, right, or, or man, too low, like how can we turn up or turn down to get into that spot so we can lead well in those moments? That idea that the energy has to match the situation. And, and I want you guys that, that as you work with leaders, talk about the consequences when the energy doesn't match, when the energy doesn't match the, the situation. Uh, people don't trust. I think ultimately it has an impact on trust. So if, and I've heard it kind of said like this. So um, if I come into a, a certain conversation and my energy level is just off the charts, I'm vision casting mode. I'm, it comes across as, and I've heard people say it is just kind of used car salesman. Like, like, what are you trying to sell me? Right, because the energy doesn't match what the moment needs, and uh, probably for a few different reasons, I feel like it just erodes people's trust in you. Like either you don't have the ability to read what this needs, and not that people are actively thinking this, but this is the impression it leaves. Either you don't have the ability to to understand what is needed in this moment, or you're more concerned about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to sell than you are about what is needed in this moment in time. So I feel like not understanding what uh, what the energy is that's needed in the moment just makes people a little bit less trustful in you, a little bit more skeptical of you. That's that's what I've experienced. And I have ex- I know it because I've probably made mistakes there and had to like figure it out after that, right? Grace, I um, was reading something on the neuroscience of trust on Harvard Business Review and it just totally stood out to me. Um, compared to people who work in low trust companies versus people in high trust companies, um, folks who work in high trust companies are reported um, experiencing 74% less stress. So like if we're, if our leaders are choosing to match the energy with what the moment is or trying to shift that the energy appropriately, right? They also experience 106% more energy at work if they're in a high trust environment, which is insane, right? Um, 50% higher pro- productivity, 13% fewer six days, 76% more engagement, 29% more satisfaction in their entire lives, and then 40% less burnout if we're in a high trust company. So now more than ever, choosing to be in a, putting yourself in a high trust moment, choosing that optimal zone of functioning and choosing your energy wisely is like so critical because it, it makes or breaks health and well-being of our team members. Yeah, spot on. Um, and I feel like this is actually a really interesting season to talk about this because if there's ever a time where leaders need to know and understand and be able to read um, what a moment needs, the, the energy level you need to bring to a moment, it's right now because people are dealing with the current situation in so many different ways. And some people need a lot of optimism and a lot of hope. And some people just need you to be able to empathize with the difficulty that they're experiencing or the fear they're, they're experiencing. And so I feel like now is, is a really pivotal moment where we're seeing the leaders that are the most effective are the ones that are able to know and read and understand what the situation calls for, dependent on the person you're interacting with or the team that you're with or the environment that you're in. And it should dictate what you bring to those moments, especially now. And if, if, and if you're a good leader, right, and you're aware of what's happening and you can alleviate that fear in people, 
you know, we know this, that 70% of all doctor visits are stress-related, right? And where does stress come from? More often than not, it comes from fear, anxiety. So we can eliminate, eliminate that as leaders, right? How can we help our teams? And that's why I think communication, you know, is so important in that, right? Because our, our thoughts really generate that stress and anxiety. And where there's a lack of communication, people start making up their own stories, right? Or if leaders are communicating very poorly, then they're their direct impact of the stress cause, right? Um, but, but great communication and empathetic communication and well-timed communication with the right energy and, and really being in touch with what people need is such a, an important part of helping mitigate that stress, even amid stressful situations, right? So mm-hmm. they did this really interesting study um, in the 90s that actually looked at the COVID virus and some other virus. So it's, it's obviously not COVID-19, but a form of the COVID virus and this other one. And they, they uh, swabbed people's noses with it and did some self-statistical tests. And the people that got sick on all self-reports had noted high levels of stress and people that were able to fight that virus um, self-selected as not having a lot of stress. And that comes down to how we are viewing the situation, right? So just for our listeners too, there's a, a great TED talk called How to Make Stress Your Friend. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, that's easier said than done, um, you know, check that out because it's really good because you're right. It, it does come from stress and and stress is generated by our thought life. And so leaders create that from our communication, um, but individuals can manage that too if they wrap their head around that properly. I think this idea of the energy to match the room and match the moment is one of the greatest opportunities for any anybody to have maturity and growth in their life, right? And I mean, I just I think of 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 me. I mean, I'm I can be high energy, and not that Trace and Kim, you guys don't, but it's at a different level with Bill and Amber, right? And and I just think me even not. I don't have to go back very far to think of the immature version of me because I'm passionate about it, that I bring a certain level of energy that doesn't match the room and maybe not even match the room, but match the, the audience, match the other people and the way they're hearing it and the way they process and the environments that make them most comfortable. You know, I've, I've had people going, man, you've got to be careful because you'll shut down a room. Like nobody wants to talk when you come in, come in hot like that. Like, I, and, and I can feel that. And, and even as I, if I go to speak, like, okay, when do I want to turn it on and when do I not? Consciously, it can be a great asset for a leader. Unconsciously, like Trey said, it can destroy trust. People won't listen. And ultimately, Amber, just what you were saying is you won't communicate very well. You won't, there won't be communication and things, and things start to, things start to erode. So um, here's what I want to do. We're, we're, I don't know, we're maybe 40 minutes in. I want to go around the room and I don't care. We'll go who starts, but, but talk about, Talk about the value of seeing a leader um, in their sweet spot in a, in a hard moment and what that looks like. And then if you're want, talking to one of your leaders who feels like they're struggling with that, what would you say to them? How would you, how would you help get them back to, to where they need to be if that, if that makes sense? So Kim, maybe I'll, I'll start with you um, and then we'll just, we'll go around, we'll go around the room. Yeah, this, this one's really interesting because is it possible to find your sweet spot when you're in a moment of stress or crisis or challenge? Yeah, absolutely. If you take the time for reflection, if you take the time to recognize that you're feeling in your sweet spot, right? So if I was given like a little 60 second pick me up in that moment of like, Hey, I'm feeling really stressed, overwhelmed. My team is super stressed and overwhelmed, but I 
I really feel alive right now. Like, but in, in this moment, I feel really alive right now. And there's this weird feeling of like, is that okay? <laughs> is it okay to be in my sweet spot while I'm also in crisis? Um, I think part of it is recognizing the gifts and pivoting your mindset into a point of gratitude in that moment. When somebody is experiencing so much stress or crisis, if we can pivot, the power of gratitude um, actually increases the level of happiness by 25%. So if we can like shift and share that that message in a well-timed, well-energized moment, right, to the team members, um, being able to call in the good of each day, even if it's stressful and, and, and um, frustrating, um, even when there's an absence of the thing that you're grateful for, right? So I know at the end of the day, especially right now, um, some of the things that I'm finding myself be grateful for are the things that are not existing right now because now I'm recognizing I'm really grateful for them when we do have them, whether it be those little simple moments. So if, it, if we can take the time to, to step in and lead the self and lead that reflection of like, hey, I actually feel really alive in this moment, I think sometimes we move so fast, so forward. Um, it's, it's important to take a step back. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take this moment to give a shout out to our senior vice president of operations, Ryan Smith. I mean, I think he has done a phenomenal job of leading us through this current, you know, from crisis of the the pandemic and to see him operate. I mean, he looks like he's in his sweet spot. He's making, he's making hard decisions. He's moving fast. But, you know, one of the things that he just does a brilliant job of is coming down and really listening and feeling the heartbeat of his people even through that. And although he is optimistic, he's still incredibly real and transparent and and making decisions out of that. And I think that that just breeds a sense of courage and confidence in in those that get to, to be around him and to see him operate through this. And so, you know, when you have a leader that's in their sweet spot in crisis, I think that that's what it does. It brings courage and confidence and a sense of peace even though nobody has any idea what's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I think that it's, it's been beautiful to watch and, and to be a part of. And I think that, you know, to leaders who, and, and at the end of the day, back to Trace's point of personality, I mean, his personality is wired for this, you know? And so it's really allowing him to show up in this moment. And the reality of it is not, not everybody is wired that way and that's okay right? Because not everybody is in his role, again, for a given person on a given day. And thankfully he is. And we are, we are, we're lucky for that as an organization. Um, but at whatever layer of leadership you're in, you're still being called upon to lead something and someone. And so if you're wrestling with, how do I find my sweet spot in this moment? You know, maybe it's just the sweetest version of your spot. <laughs> maybe it's not your actual sweet spot you know, and, and, and that comes with a responsibility. And I think that one of the things, you know, the human brain likes order and it likes logic. And when we get in crisis situations, a lot of times we stay in our head and we just think about all the stuff and it builds up and it creates more of that anxiety. So what I would encourage leaders to do is to just write down the stuff that is stressing you out or where you feel like you're missing so that you can see it. And then, you know, in the column next to it, decide, okay, well, what action can I take to help solve this problem or mitigate this risk? Um, or what, what is the right way to be thinking of this instead? Because the brain can come up with some pretty wild stuff in the midst of crisis. And when you see it written down, you're like, wow, okay, that's not actually true. What, what is right in this moment? And then just have that list that you can just go back to as many 
many times a day as you need to, to help reset yourself and refocus yourself to just stay in the sweetest spot that you can, even if it's not your necessarily sweet spot. Like that idea of find the sweetest spot, not necessarily your sweet one, but it <laughs> sort of, it widens it out, right? Because it gives you a little bit yeah. of grace. And, and now more than ever in crisis, that's what we got to do. We have a little bit more grace through all these moments. I'll, uh, I'll save Bill for last since I'll just, I'll give respect to my elders and let you go last. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I agree with everything that everybody said. Um, so a few thoughts I have on it are, um, if people are in their sweet spot, I think crisis, stress, um, difficult situations, that's just, it's like the squeeze, right? That, that represents the squeeze. And, and who you are when you're squeezed, when you're stressed, when you're in crisis mode, I think oftentimes comes out. That's when we see who people really are oftentimes. Now, I, I do think that some people, like, they are just naturally wired toward uh, being able to navigate crisis well, exactly like Amber said. So some people, like, thrive in those moments because it's a core aspect of their personality. I've seen on, on a complete other side of the spectrum, I've seen people that have that awareness of their ability to function well in the crisis and they almost kind of like it. It's almost like an adrenaline rush. And I've seen some leaders actually, um, and I don't even know if they're consciously aware they're doing, but they'll manufacture crisis almost amongst their teams because that's when they feel like they're at their best. And what that causes for a team is really the team doesn't function well over the long term. You see a lot of turnover, you see things like that. But um, what I see from people that in a crisis, if they're in their sweet spot, I think crisis, oftentimes um, you see resiliency. I think you mm -hmm. see grit there because people are already in their sweet spot and the crisis just kind of brings that out. I think it's when people aren't in their sweet spot that um, crisis can bring apathy, uh, can bring um, whatever the opposite of grit is, like just a, a, a tendency to maybe give up sooner rather than later, maybe to disengage rather than lean in. Um, so crisis is going to come. I don't care. We're in a significant one right now, but this is, we deal with crisis all the time. And, and if you're not uh, in one, um, in a certain season, you can guarantee one's going to come, which is why I think this conversation is so important. It's understanding yourself well enough to know what your sweet spot is so that when the crisis comes, when the stress comes, um, you can anticipate what your reaction to that's likely going to be, uh, both for yourself and your own health, but then the impact it's going to have on the people around you as well. Right. So um, yeah, I, for leaders that that uh, that they're they don't necessarily feel like they're in their sweet spot um, in a crisis, I would say probably welcome to the club because I don't know that it's like the majority of people that absolutely love crisis. Um, like Amber said, I think Ryan is very specifically wired to function well in this m mode, and so thank God that like he's leading here. Um, a lot of people don't love it. Um, but I don't necessarily think that doesn't mean you can function well and lead well through it as long as you have a lot of self-awareness over what your tendencies are through it um, and then what impact that has on your people. Um, and so you can just mitigate some of those, the natural byproducts, the ripple effects of what crisis causes in you. But it takes, again, that self-awareness to understand what happens to me when I'm squeezed. And if I'm not in my sweet spot, I still... I can't just like lean back and say, sorry, guys, I'm not in my sweet spot right now. Well, good luck. Like we still have to engage, right? And we have to lead teams effectively through that. So I think the more self-awareness we have, and um, even if we don't feel in our sweet spot, we still choose to lean into the crisis, knowing that people depend on our ability to function well through it. Um, and some of that just comes through self-awareness and just literally a decision, 
right? It, it's decision mode time. Like I could either let this um, take me out or I could dominate this and I could lead as well as I can through this, which I think that people are remarkably forgiving and gracious, um, even with their leaders, if they see their leaders leading as best they can with true and good intent through seasons of crisis. Um, if, if we see people that just kind of lean out, I, I don't think that builds trust. So even if you make mistakes through a crisis, as long as people know and trust and understand what your intent and your purpose is, uh, the reason behind a lot of your decisions, um, I think that people will still generally be on board with a leader like that. So that's kind of, kind of my thinking. It's awesome. Good stuff there. Okay, Bill. Yeah. What a, um, I, I do believe this. We all have strengths and weaknesses as leaders, right? As individuals, we do. Um, if I see someone that's strong and in their sweet spot in a, in a stressful situation, I think many times we miss the opportunity to recognize them, to celebrate them, to let them know, right? To learn from, from them. So, so to me, if I see someone doing a great job, in a stressful situation like that, and they're in their sweet spot, make sure we take the time to recognize them. because. I'm sure the, the situation will rear its ugly head again, and you'll want them to, to be there. You know, for, for those of us that sometimes might um, squirm in those situations, not feel comfortable in those stressful situations, hopefully we're open to have someone come alongside us, and we can swallow our pride a little bit, right, and mm-hmm. take, take some help and some support from others. And so, and, and I think as a team here, as a, a group of leaders right now in this call, um, it's important for us to be able to observe those situations and really connect, really reach in and help each other out through those situations. So, so be, be aware of your surroundings and what's going on and take care of each other. Man, guys, there is so much, so much good stuff there. Um, and listen, I know you all have lots going on right now in this season. So um, to, to jump on a call here, I, uh, I really appreciate it. And so for those of you who are listening, if, if you want to try to connect with with one of these folks and maybe just have another another conversation or more conversation with them, all you have to do is email us at academy at lci1.com and we would love to make that connection uh, for you and um, because there is a ton of wisdom there. Um, I've taken two pages of notes and you know I think if you, I'm gonna go back and listen again at some point and there's probably more there. So anyways, I know you are busy, but thank you. I really, really do appreciate uh, appreciate all your guys' time and, and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. No problem. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks Dustin. For Thanks for having us. Dustin, always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewer mission of Lipper Components, Inc. As always, thanks to Eternity Bro for our theme music and to Michael Yoder and the amazing team over at TruthWork Media. Until next time, I'm your host, Dustin Carr, reminding you to think differently, lead courageously, and live passionately. See ya. See ya.